Hello and welcome to School Growth Mastery, produced by EnrollHan. We help schools, preschools, colleges and universities find their voice, connect with their ideal parents and grow their enrollment. We will bring on a diverse list of guests from school heads, admissions officers, marketing experts, parents and more, each with a unique insight into how you should grow your school in this changing landscape. Hi, everyone. A couple of weeks ago, we went on a long road trip uh, around Texas, my brother and I. We were visiting schools that are customers of ours. This is a trip we do every every six months, I would say, maybe twice a year, sometimes it's three times a year. And what we do it for is really to down on the ground and see what you guys are seeing every day, just for a glimpse. Because, you know, in our job, we often get sidetracked. We get, we're behind a screen all day. We're um, looking at numbers, uh, at uh, statistics, at dashboards, and it can get a bit uh, out of touch. So, yeah, so we do that. And what we try and get out of that is like a lot of feedback. We ask a lot of questions from the schools we visit, and we try and get some insights and try and improve something, what we do. So what I want to do today is just share some insights uh, that are still quite raw. We're still digesting everything, but some insights from the trip that you may be interested in. Um, on that note, uh, again, it's quite rough, but I'm going to you know, just start off um, from the beginning. So we started off in Houston, made, a, made our way through um, the countryside, then went on up onto um, San Antonio, uh, Austin, and then ended up in Dallas. We drove back to Houston now to, to get the plane out. Now, um, one thing that was very consistent across the different schools we visited, total of 20 schools, was that there's a sense of, you know, a strong sense of urgency that's starting to, to be felt more and more across schools. I mean, it, it started maybe in charter schools, those are the most, uh, the newest, fast-moving. They already have this entrepreneurship attitude. But more and more we saw it. I mean, we visited some some, charter, some public schools, like big independent school districts, uh, and they were starting to feel it as well. So there's this huge shift in, landscape, in the landscape. Huge shift. Everyone's feeling it. No one's immune to it now. Um, it's, it's, you know, at least the people we talked to attributed to the general sense of this fast-changing world we're living in, uh, things are changing so fast. Uh, but it's now starting to really hit the physical world, hit our world, hit schools in a very, very strong way. Um, and you know what that what that does is that you have issues that come up, like skill shortages. Uh, there are new skills that are needed in schools that did not exist. Uh, and now they do exist. So people are needing to, to um, you know, um, upscale or hire and stuff. Then that comes to second point, teacher recruitment. That's a huge and increasing issue. How do you recruit the right teachers, right staff, so it's not just teachers, um, and where do you find them? So it's starting to, you know, these are things that it's not only about the, the, the learning outcomes, that's a core part, obviously. But there are things you need to do. You know, marketing, where we're concerned, is one of them. 
there's many different things um, that need new skills, uh, you know, IT skills. How do we understand this new world of artificial intelligence? I mean, your staff or someone needs to understand these things because you're preparing kids that are going to live in that kind of world. So a lot of people we met were concerned about this and they didn't know where to start searching. I mean, their skills on in terms of recruitment is posting a job on Indeed, getting you know CVs and making sure the qualifications uh, are there and then hiring. Um, so we need to reinvent a lot of this. Um, and that's, that's kind of, uh, that's, that's, it was, that was a persistent theme across the trip. Now, second piece is obviously, you know, very close to home sales and marketing. And that's biased because that's what the trip was about was a very, uh, very persistent theme. Everyone was talking about it, but I, we kind of felt that people, you know, school administrators are starting to talk about this you know, even when we are not present, even when a marketing team is not present. I mean, what we see now that was not maybe the case a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, was that selling is not bad. It's not a bad word. Marketing is not a bad word um, if done right. We still hear the phrase, um, I don't want to doubt my own horn, uh, but that's obviously more and more next to the phrase we want to get the word out we need to show what the school is doing uh we need to attract right fit parent parents that was a that was a really bad thing to say a while back now it's not anymore uh people you know it's evolving um uh, you know now schools are understanding that with all the changes that are happening uh, all the new types of schools type of learning and educational options uh, they have to show who they are so that parents could know and make the right choice uh so i think that's becoming much more evident now there's some very very basic things uh that people have been doing and we heard we're hearing that a lot but it's like uh, some some people don't do anything uh, in terms of sales and marketing and they're just starting to think about it we, we you know we hear some terms that have created uh like buzz against or have, have put themselves into the minds of educators in the past and they're always trying geofencing so i think geofencing is not a very good strategy uh like having disruptive messages just pop up on your phone uh without any context when you're in a certain target area i don't think that works um at least not in the long term but that's kind of something people have been doing um uh, Getting the word out, that's something uh, that people are saying, let's get the word out, let's shout. We've covered this in other you know, content we have. That's not enough. Yeah, Getting the word out is easy right now. You could do geofencing or even ads, Facebook ads. You can reach whoever you want. That's not really the point anymore. So now there's some serious thought about new ideas, new fresh ideas on how to sell, how to promote your school in a way that's, that's good. Uh, one idea we came across in in into the while we were on the trip um, was classroom observations from parents and prospective parents when the time is right. So for prospective parents, obviously, you know, it's before enrollment season um, or before an event or during an event. So if you're open enrollment, if you're continuous enrollment. 
you might have some events and then you can invite classroom observations. What was very interesting was a school uh, that did classroom observations for current parents when the time to re-enroll was coming around. So they knew, and this was, you know, tricky. It was, it was smart, I would say. They knew that if you see your kid in the classroom having fun, and they were proud of what they were doing in the classroom, and they were, they were, you know, very happy and confident with what they did in the classroom. Uh, so if you see your kid like thriving in a classroom, then you have many more chances to re-enroll next year. And actually, since they did that, um, they <laughs> they saw a better, much better attrition rates and retention rates. Um, another thing that we see and we saw a lot on the trip is this tendency towards giving parents advice uh this uh this trend we see in other industries where you become a thought leader or an expert on parenting on on educating the child and you you know you also help and assist the parents not just the children with advice like like we're doing here you know during this um this um recording i mean we're just sharing thoughts in a way that's digestible for you but that, um, you know, hopefully provides some value, some advice. So we see this more and more. Um, it's not yet very, I mean, we have some some schools starting podcasts or sharing blog, but, you know, it might just be on the phone. Like this one school, what they've done, which is, I think, a nice practical first step, is every Friday, and you don't have to do it every Friday if that's too much, but they do it every Friday teacher calls all parents and talks to them for five, 10 minutes um, about the child. Now, this is a lot, right? This is tiring, but they've, they've noticed a much better relationship with parents this way. So there's other ways you can do it. You can do it twice a month or once a month. You can do it electronically, like a small Facebook group, a chat room, uh, an email, you know? There's other things or there's like certain apps that you can use. If you're consistent and rigorous, like providing advice and sharing with parents, um, that's, you know, obviously that's more in terms of retention rather than uh, enrolling new parents. Uh, if you do a blog, it's more about new parents. But it's a way, I mean, the concept here, the concept we saw is there's starting to be this trend of selling is not shouting. So you don't need to shout out to get the word out in order to, to kind of sell in a good way. Um a big concern, like going to the next point, a big concern with a number of the people we met was how to manage their different stakeholders, particularly parents. Because parents, especially now with the internet, they have like more ways to reach out to you. They have more opinions because they're reading about parenting, um, and they, you know, they generally have more ideas about what you should be doing. So that's that's like a difficult relationship to manage more and more and depending on the school obviously but it's a concern uh how do some of the schools we met manage that so first is just recognizing that parents are thirsty for advice they really need advice and they're looking for advice and they're getting advice so whether you whether you help them with that or not they are getting advice online and from different sources so it's about you know recognizing that and saying okay let me be that authority source, you are the authority that you're aware, they've placed a lot of trust in you, so they can place a bit more. You can be the source of advice for them. So you can take charge of that relation by 
giving some advice in the ways we um, we discussed before. You can maybe take charge of that relationship and channel it in a way that you feel is right for both parties. And I think more and more what we saw is if you don't do something like that, that relationship can turn sour or toxic very fast. Um, you need to kind of steward it. You need to like uh, channel, like take care of the relationship you have with parents. And thought leadership is a very good um, way to do that. Okay. Now the other uh, the other kind of stakeholder that came uh, came across very often is for for private schools more about the board of directors. For charter schools or public schools, more the authorizer, the state authority that is in charge. But that that's becoming those relationships are becoming more demanding. I mean, the board of directors often is taking a more active role. Before it was just maybe you know depending, but often it used to be just like a kind of friendly relationship, loose relationship. They weren't very involved, very hel- helicopter view. Now more and more we see boards taking a more engaged um, engaged approach. Obviously, you have boards that are overstepping their boundaries and trying to manage the school. But I'm not talking about that. That's, I think, an exception. At least we don't see that like very often. Uh, but we see boards starting. We see it's a trend to start to have good governance, have you know, hold the, the team accountable like you would see in a company or in a corporate environment. Uh, we're starting to see that. So we need to, and, and, and like the school administrators, we came across, a lot of them were had that this this instinct to please the board. How do we please the board? Same for the authorizer. So like a big charter school network we, we met, they have an A rating, they're happy with that, but they're anxious because so far, and I won't go into the specifics, but it was kind of easy for them to keep that rating, what they had to show. The authorizer uh, the, uh, was, you know, just a kind of aggregate data, not like very detailed data. Now the the authorizer is becoming more demanding, asking for more, going deeper, visiting. Uh, so that's becoming a bit of a concern. How do we manage that? There's more resources that need to go there. Uh, so that's kind of another thing in terms of like stakeholders. Still, test scores are dominating the discussion with boards with authorizers uh, all over. However, that's changing as well. Um, there's a couple of things there. So some schools have figured out the testing game. So there's like great software nowadays that can use to manage scoring, manage like, um, uh, you know, interventions and uh, have all that in order and like gradually improve the address students about in 25% and all that. So schools are doing that rather easily at least some are. I mean, the ones who have focused on it have like managed to do that and show progress more and more, and they can satisfy the needs of stakeholders. And obviously, you know, the the end game is obviously yeah improving student outcomes. However, there's also this realization we're reading about it a lot, but uh, we kind of start seeing it in our visit. Um, school heads and school uh, teams proactively taking charge of that discussion saying, yeah, here's what I want to do. It's, whereas before it's like really the state mandating, you need this, I want to see improvement in this metric, these 25%, the bottom needs to improve by this much. And kind of the state was mandating or the board was mandating what needs to be done. Now we're seeing some school teams saying, hey, I have a plan. It's not just about test scores. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it with the test scores. So I'm going to add 
like a social emotional learning component. I'm going to add more data, like look at it broadly. So behavioral data, attendance data, discipline data. And again, how is this in the marketing? It is as just taking a step back, as the environment is becoming more complex, there's more competition, the landscape is changing. You, you have to complexify and nuance your value proposition. Your product is this, is, is kind of student outcomes. Is it just the test scores? Everyone is starting to say no. And people are becoming stricter, boards, the authorizers, parents uh, saying, yeah, you know, they're having opinions. So you have to regroup and say, I have a plan. This is my plan. What's your take on it? And again, it comes back to brand, to value proposition. Are you like a rigorous testing machine? Okay, uh, you know, play with that. Like, what's your plan there? Um, are you, uh, you know, uh, kind of, um, of a story school? Are you, where, what, what are you offering um, that is kind of your own proprietary plan? And this, you know, kind of zooming back in from the marketing view down into what we are discussing here, we're seeing some schools trying to have their own plan uh, they have a comprehensive plan with data with, you know, this is what we're going to do. We believe that, you know, by increasing this like attendance or doing this initiative. So one school is doing positive referrals to the principal. That's great. That's, you know, something that they believe will in- hit some of these metrics. And at the end of the day, improve student outcomes. So they have a plan, right? So, you know, they come to the stakeholders with a plan. That's, that's important. And it's important to manage your environment, but it's also important to, uh, to to create your own value proposition in a way. Okay, so that that brings us kind of I I, I talked about it like briefly, but competition was a very core theme during during our, our trip. Many schools are really suffocating; they're drowning. They don't really know what to do with the competition. They're trying to wrap their heads around it. Uh, the school heads are, and you know, we're discussing this at length you know how to how to face that you know schools coming along making the same claims as you once you've made so many years you, know, you have to get going you have to change up find a new value proposition or refresh your value proposition or refresh your, your brand now other schools they weren't like uh suffocating but they they were having an identity crisis so so um you know, we were talking to this independent school who was squeezed between two competing. Like on the on the top, they had like a really premium school, like a, just imagine a premium brand that was uh, that is um, like uh, there and kind of owning that space. And then there's the, the the charter schools coming in and the public schools improving on the bottom of the of the you know, of the value proposition ladder. Uh, and they, they didn't really know, they don't really know where to go. Um, you know, another school uh, we met is a private school right now, but they're trying to become a charter school. They aren't sure. They're, again, not sure what path to take. So kind of, again, identity crisis. So this is serious. I mean, it's serious. People are people are concerned. Uh, there's a lot of movement ongoing. Um, schools popping up everywhere. Like it has negative uh, effects as well as positive, um, but I think you know just documented what we saw. Um, it's intensifying, and uh, you know we need to act. Schools need to act. I think 
if I don't want to talk about the negative too much. There, obviously, there are going to be some schools which are maybe hasty um, strategies, some school leadership teams which are like cobbled together and not providing what they should for children. Um, if you look at the statistics on at least on charter schools, uh, the rate of of growth is high, but also the rate of renewal. I mean, charter schools going closing their doors, new ones coming is quite high. So I want to be an optimist. I think that's healthy. I mean, things are being tried out and then you know, if it doesn't work, hopefully that goes away and something new comes along. At least, you know, what, what's certain is that we need to, I mean, you need to design your value proposition through competition. Uh, competition, it plays a role now in your value proposition. You can't just sit on your so uh, some things we saw in our innovations. So a school that um, does not have the capacity to really ramp up teacher pay, they don't have the budget for that, um, and they can't attract the teachers they need. They have an innovative project-based learning uh, and your value proposition, and they need like high-quality teachers. They can't really attract them through pay alone. So what they're thinking of doing, and they haven't done it yet, but they're kind of thinking of it, is doing a four-day work week. It's great. It's the first time I hear of that school four-day school week. Um, and I've heard you know many schools like on the spectrum from homeschooling to uh, like uh, day schools. You can have schools with two, three days a week, but this is like a like a normal day school. It's a charter school, and they're actually changing. I mean, this change is what I'm thinking is interesting. Uh, like they're they're really they're really shaking the tree. They're they're coming out of their comfort zone. They've always been five-day-a-week school, and they're saying, listen, let's try this. Are teachers interested? Or can we find a, a section of the teachers who would be willing to get some, you know, not not great pay, it's not bad pay, but it's okay, but they'd have, like, a long weekend every weekend. That's a great alternative value proposition, isn't it, towards teachers? So that's interesting. Um, we saw schools focusing... Like away from college, just because college is, I mean, expensive. It's every, you know, college prep is 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 competitive. So these these schools have college prep schools nearby, and they're like, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to focus more on trade, career, and technical education. Uh, that's going to be our thing. So these are just the like examples of schools who are differentiating. Right, they're trying through competition to design a value proposition is different and unique so a faith-based school uh which is really kind of a scale down who's suffering is scaled down so uh yeah and really focused on personalized learning very very personalized i've never seen a school which is more personalized really one-to-one learning and it has to it's small and became smaller so we're struggling now it's not struggling it's like a boutique school faith-based and personalized that's unique um Another school, again, small, um, it really went the blended learning way and they went all in. And, you know, sometimes we hear we can't buy uh, devices like one for every student because that costs a lot. But these guys, it's not like they're a rich, like wealthy school. They, they have a tight situation, but they're managing. I mean, they have Chromebooks for everyone. And that's their thing. They're blending learning and you go for them for that. Um, last but not least, in in this um, 
ease of designing value proposition via competition. What we saw is something you see in other industries, but we haven't really seen it before in schools, um, is like a very value stacking, we call it. So it's a number of different pieces of a value proposition together. Um, so this school, I'm thinking, it's Montessori, at STEAM Incorporated, had a specific, um, like a specific program for public speaking, had a, a method to, to scaffold their program and kind of accompany the students, and many, many other things the school head was thinking about the facilities, looking at the competition, looking at their facilities, and what can we do, what can we reflect, looking at different offers that other competing schools were doing, how to how to do that. Um, like, you know, a lot of dynamic observation of what was happening in the area. And then, like a chess game, trying to modify or kind of fine-tune her value proposition respect you know with respect to that so i hope that's clear enough i mean it's hard to be very very clear with that but i uh, hope, hope makes make some sense um another thing we saw in terms of competition uh, we saw a number of schools more than we usually see uh, that are disrupting part of the traditional school model so um mixed curricula so you know sharing curriculum um you know sharing teachers sometimes twin schools shared services with other schools, so things like accounting and HR, or with businesses, so shared buildings. So we had like a case where school and after school program together, another case where school is in an office building, shared buildings, shared services, kind of focusing on the core. What do we do as a core? And then sharing other things so that we're able to kind of get by on less and really bring value to our constituencies uh, without having, you know, while being lighter. Um, so I think you know that's that's in in regards to competition, uh, trying to show you that competition obviously it's it's hard, but it can be a positive can be a positive thing if you kind of own it and say yeah you have to take charge of the situation now um, it's it's our you know it's our job to like lead the way and find new things and be creative. Just some some things we saw on the trip. Like last but not least, uh, a theme we had. We saw quite often and more and more hard, hard to hard to express in a way that doesn't sound really cliche, but being embedded in the community, like with everything that's going on, um, you have to find more intensive ways to really be a pillar in the community. I mean, to have value just beyond being considered like an education factory. Um so it's it's also another way to differentiate, another way to really establish your school brand. Uh, schools used to be, yeah, send their kids there. It's a bit of a glorified daycares. People have, you know, uh, I've heard, uh, yeah, people, you know, sometimes think of schools as send the kids there. They learn some stuff. We can go to our job, come back in the afternoon, and hopefully they pass the test. They go on to the next step. Uh, no, that's really not it. Nowadays, it's the school is really as educating the children, but also the parents. We're discussing before about about thought leadership, parents educating the community, how to really become part of the community. So we used to ask, you know, what do you do for the community? In the past, it was just, yeah, we participate in that 
you know, whatever day that is organized by that, by a nonprofit, we do a, you know, a run, we do some like one service learning day where we go to, I don't know where to like, again, a nonprofit and help out. And it was a bit of a transactional, you know, we're insulated by the community. We just like take care of the kids for during the day. We, we teach them, we get them to pass the test. Uh, communities, they're doing their thing, you know? Now that's more and more not the case. So they're like, we see more and more programs where schools actively engage in joint, really complex and hard projects for the community to make a difference. Uh, realizations that school won't do well with scores and stuff. Kids won't do well on tests if their home is a mess. It's not going to happen. And this is not just in uh, low-income areas, you know, everywhere. You know, if 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 as the community is doing better, the school will do better and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So this comes into play a lot with fundraising. I mean, fundraising is, again, also becoming more competitive. And now we're, you know, working more and more with fundraising for schools as well. And we see this when schools are really engaged with the community, they can fundraise more easily. Safety is also a concern. So, you know, safety has been a huge concern. We saw this a lot on the trip. Teachers being trained. Um, police uh, in the schools, safety equipment, safety investments, uh, cameras. We saw a lot of that. Uh, but safety is also related to the community. If the community is safer, the school is safer, vice versa. Uh, kind of another element which we started seeing, which is related to you know being more embedded in the community, is place-based learning. So that's you know, some of the learning can be done outside of the school in the community. Um, it, it comes back to the apprenticeship model, but uh, it also it's a way to differentiate. It's a way to it's a way to improve your budget as well. Because if you look at it in a in a certain way, it's that you know maybe some community members are taking on part of the learning, uh, part of the teaching. Kids are also learning uh, more actively, in a more multidisciplinary way, uh, more project-based and and like very diverse, and they're probably more engaged and interesting. So, in a finance class, you can partner up with an accounting firm. Uh, just as an example, uh, they are doing something good. They can get some help. They're teaching. They're seeing how future um, future students, future kind of employees of theirs, are going to. I mean, and think and stuff. So place-based learning, uh, okay, I like, can't go into too much detail on this recording, but it's um, it's another thing we started seeing. So kind of all in all, um, if I kind of summarize, the landscape is changing a lot. It's what we saw kind of as we're moving through, driving through Texas and visiting all these schools. Um, you know, big changes, but there are schools who have started to, uh, you know, take note of that, take charge of the situation and really come into their own differentiated value proposition. Think of creative things to do, to make, do more with less and improve their offering, improve the education they're providing to children uh, with less, uh, sharing services, doing things like four-hour work week, a four-day four work week, things like that. Um, and yeah, so it was a very exciting trip and we're going to do more. Uh, so hopefully this is interesting for you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just, just uh, happy to share some thoughts. Have a great day guys. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to School Growth Mastery, brought to you by Enroll Hunt. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe to our show and share this episode with your fellow educators. You can support us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. That way, more school leaders like you will find us. If you want to learn more about school growth, visit our website at enrollhand.com and please do check out the links in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, goodbye for now.